Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's a professional life coach, entrepreneur, investor, and former NFL player. It's Michael Weich. How are you doing today, Michael? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited to have you on the show to learn all about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do first is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Well, I'm from a, a, a area called uh, South Norfolk. It's actually in the city of Chesapeake, Virginia, but the section is called South Norfolk. Um, grew up there full of uh, drugs, full of crime, uh, just uh, like gun violence most of the time. So you have multiple killings, senseless killings. Um, so uh, you had to be you had to be pretty tough where, growing up where I had to grow up at. It was it was very very challenging. Um, uh, I grew up in a, you know, a family that was full of, you know, um, hustlers. They didn't have, they didn't, they didn't know, you know, uh, a lot of things that I knew uh, that I was actually had a privilege to be exposed to. They were, you know, used to drugs, gun violence and things like that of that nature. So um, they only knew and did what they saw. And, you know, later on taught the kids the same thing. And, um, you know, so my mother and father, they were in the drug dealing as well. Um, both, uh, were hustlers, you know, uh, both sold drugs. Uh, um, actually my father met my mother by running from the police and ran to my mother's house. What a love story. But, um, you know, that, that's how they met. And, um, Eventually, uh, my father, he ended up uh, getting sentenced to 40 years in prison. So um, I grew up like every other kid in the hood without a father. Were your parents trying to do anything to bring in money with knowing the risk that they were taking at that time? Excuse me, say that again. Were your parents doing anything to bring money in, knowing that the risk that they were taking being in that kind of industry? Um, yeah, they were trying to bring in money. They was just trying to survive. Um, that's how most people that grew up in my area uh, knew how to survive. You know, uh, the superstars in my hood were the drug dealers. You know, we didn't have any doctors. We didn't have any lawyers to look up to. The the the, the superstar was the, the man that sold the most drugs and had the jury and had the the, the the fresh car, the fresh kicks. And that's what we wanted to be like. We didn't have nothing else to look up to. We wanted to be successful. I wanted to be that. I wanted to have that. I wanted to have money in my pockets, you know, and so did my mom, so did my father. This is generational curses that, you know, we wanted to have the the big, uh, you know, in my culture, we wanted to have the big Cuban links on our neck. We wanted to have the fresh shoes and the, the fresh BMW to drive. The only way to do that is to hustle hard. What kind of activities were you doing, like with athletics or were you hanging out with friends to try to keep yourself away from going into that direction? Um. So, well, Going into that direction, I was I was brought into that lifestyle. So I was already in there. You know, I, I couldn't escape from it. Um, uh, now, what stirred me away from it was um, a guy by the name of Alexander. Uh, Alexander was a guy that I met when I was um, I was just getting out of the uh, 
juvenile detention center. Um, so they put me in a school called CSEP. And I went to a school called CSEP, which is basically a behavior school for at-risk teens, at-risk youth. And um, I met him there. He became a mentor to me. We became very close. He was kind of like a father figure. Um, and um, he introduced me to the game of football. And uh, we started training right then and there. He said, this is what you're going to do when you get out of here. You know, and I had six months to be in there and I got out of there. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I started my role uh, back to Oscar Smith uh, High School where I became uh, phenomenal in football. But at the same time, um, I still had a drug selling addiction because you don't have to you don't have to be uh, using drugs to be addicted. Mm-hmm. If you never met Alexander, do you think your life would have been on a different path right now? Yeah, I'd probably be prison or dead, for sure. Like, no brainer. Like, either prison or dead. There was no other way. With your communication with Alexander, could he be able to think, know how you were thinking to make sure that if you were having some issues, he was there to help you right away? Um. Yeah, he was there to help me like right away like uh any any uh anything that i needed food anything he was there he was like he was it was like he was god sent man he was just man that that was my guy he still is my guy to this day we're still close right now what made you like football so much um football dang that's a great question man um football I liked football so much because it was a way for me to let out all the anger and the pain that I seen in um in football not not in football but uh in the streets. Yeah. Um it was an outlet for me. Um uh have you ever seen the waterboard? Yes. Okay, people used to it, they made it a comedy movie. Um, they made it a comedy movie, but it really, if you really paid attention to the movie, um, when he was, uh, when the ball was about to snap, he would go crazy he, before it snapped. He would be like, no, and stuff like that. Start talking to himself and the other players be like, what is wrong with that guy? He, that was a play that that's a time when he was going through trauma. Memor- he was memorizing everything that ever happened in his life and everything that, you know, uh, triggered him off. And that's kind of how it was for me. Um, I would, before the ball would snap, I would think about all the trauma, you know, the abuse of my mother. Uh, I would think about, you know, everything that that went bad for me in life. And when that ball snapped, the guy in front of me is in trouble. Were you, so. were you ever worried with having those flashbacks that it would take it to a, a high level and injuries could happen or something serious would have, taken place with regards to having those moments before that ball. You, you mean for the other player? <laughs> well, yeah, because, you know, you, 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 I mean, definitely with you, we see with football, they use that anger as a way to hype up the players and stuff. But sometimes mm-hmm. players will take it a little bit farther than they should. But I know that you probably were just in that moment playing the game. Yeah, sometimes that can happen. I, I actually broke one player's collarbone one time. I actually broke one player's jaw. 
So uh, those things happen, but in the spirit of the moment, you're not looking to injure anybody purposely, but um, it's just a method, you know, trying to get out where you come from. Um, like some guys don't understand that, that play, like football is a violent sport, you know, and I played violent because I came from violence, you know, so, um, and that's the only way I knew, like, if, if you, if you play violent, that's how you was going to get that million dollars, you know? So I tell guys all the time when I go speak to them, I'm like, you're sitting up here going 70 miles. No, I mean, you're sitting up here going 70% effort in the football game. When there's a kid that has been through life, that has been through poverty, that has been through his mother abandoned him, his father is in prison, and you're going to go 70%, he's going to knock your head off because he's fighting for something. He's fighting for a spot to get out the hood. So that's what football basically done. You kind of just mentioned that. So was the goal always to expand the opportunities for you through football, or was there always maybe something other that you were going to pursue to get out of the situations that you were in? So, so basically football was a, a vehicle to get me to my true passion. Yep. Cause I could care less if I played 30 years, one year, I didn't care because um, I know how to hustle. I knew how to get money. You know, legally, illegally, it, it didn't matter to me. But my the, my mindset started changing as I grew older, and of course, I wanted to do it legally. So um, that's when I, you know, picked up you know books and started reading, and following guys like Warren Buffett, uh, Jeff Bezos uh, uh, of the world, uh, you know, the Jay Zs of the world, who ca- actually came from my culture, that came from my type of. Uh, uh, lifestyle. Um, so those guys were, uh, those guys I read up on and, uh, and that's when I wanted to start, you know, being an entrepreneur an investor, I, but little did I know I was already an entrepreneur as a kid selling drugs. But if you can sell, if you can run a drug business, I tell kids all the time, you can run a company. So you don't have to sell drugs. If you can do that, you are a CEO. So go try to be a CEO of a company. So I knew that. And that's when I started a business uh, and football gave me a platform to start that business, you know, to blow it up faster. I wouldn't have to like, you know, build it from the ground up. I could have, you know, the platform to do that. So I I, I, I thank football for giving me that. But uh, yeah, that's what I ultimately wanted to be was an uh, entrepreneur anyways. You brought up a great point with the whole drug industry. It's like those people, it's a business in a way, and you have to do sales tactics and all that. And those same skills is what people in big Fortune 500 companies are doing. So if you're able to do that, you're able to do a lot more and you're able to expand the horizon in a way. And that was a great point that you made where the industries are similar and they're using Mm -hmm. techniques. When you were going to leave high school, where was that next direction for you? Were you pursuing any colleges? Were any scholarships coming for you? Yeah, um, when I left high school, I had a lot of scholarship offers. I had a lot of scholarship offers. Um, 
to uh, I was originally going to go to Clemson University, um, but uh, my grades uh, wasn't um, they were they were good, but I didn't have enough grades to qualify mm-hmm. to go there. So um, so I had to either pick a smaller school or I had to go to junior college and uh, the ability that I had as far as football, uh, you know, no disrespect to the smaller school because any scholarship is, is a blessing. But um, I just thought that I, that I could play with the big boys um, and at big schools. So I wanted to prove that. And, uh, and, and that's why I ultimately picked to go to the, the junior college. Um, so I went over to California. I went to junior college and I, um, I killed it over there, man. I, I, I killed it over there. But I also ran into pain while I was over there. Um, I ended up losing my mother to cancer. Um, my best friend ended up getting shot and killed. Uh, my teacher, one of my favorite teachers, she uh, ended up committing suicide by hanging herself. So I had to um, swallow all of that while uh, trying to stay focused and uh play in one of the biggest games to 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 get all my scholarships back for what I earned in high school. Uh, but I went out there, I hustled through the pain, and um, I ended up uh, becoming one of the top defensive linemen in the nation. I went out there, and I did really well in that game. When you were at that junior college, did you have someone that you could go talk to, or was Alexander able to be able to reach out to and talk to you about the things that you were going through. Yeah, uh, Alexander was still there. Um, he's a goddess. He's still here to this day. Um, he he, uh, he checked on me, but uh, he had to let me grow too. You know, so uh, he, he it was he he could teach me a little bit, but he wasn't out there to physically teach me. So some things I, he he wanted me to learn on my own and uh, make decisions on my own. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I had to. I, I went through some growing pains out there. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> I went through some growing pains out there for sure, and uh, but I ultimately uh, ended up earning a full scholarship to the University of Miami. That's awesome. A lot of people think that like junior college or community college is like a downgrade in a way, but for you, was it able to be a stepping stone to finally get to that Division One school that you were looking for to play with the big boys? Well, first of all, junior college, uh, a lot of people don't know junior college is uh, uh, you have to be mentally strong to be in junior college because not all junior colleges uh, have scholarships. Mm -hmm. So some some junior colleges and they offered me scholarships, junior colleges, when they found out that I wasn't going straight out of high school to college. So some of the junior colleges that had scholarships offered me, but I just felt like they wasn't a great fit for me scheme wise so i um found a college east l.a college where i became one of their best players ever in school history um but they didn't have scholarships so we had to we had we had to get it how we live i didn't want to spend any money out there you know because i was i didn't want to go flat broke or nothing like that spending money i was a smart guy when it came to money so i i elected to hey i'm gonna sleep in the locker room dude I'm going to sleep in the locker room. I'm going to bang it out. And uh, I'm the top player in the country sleeping in the locker room. You know, so um, I banged it out. And, uh, 
Yeah, junior college was was something else, man. We had we eventually um got an apartment. It was 12 people in a two bedroom. <laughs> we had two to a room in each room, and then the rest of it was just twin size mattresses all over, even in the kitchen. And some of those guys that were with me in that apartment, they are in the NFL now. Um, you know, uh, but it was a dream. We was following a dream. And, man, we wouldn't have had it any other way. It was the grind. It was the hustle. And we loved it, man. And we did it together. And some of these guys are in the NFL. Some of these guys are um, owners, business owners. Uh, just everybody's a successful um, human being, man. And uh, Yeah. It's After that, I moved on and went to the University of Miami. It shows that people will do anything to follow their dreams. Even if, Absolutely. like you said, sleep in the locker room, being in that two-bedroom apartment with 12 people, the risk was all worth the reward because you guys were all following that dream that you were going. When you finally got to University of Miami, what was the thought, what was going through your mind in playing at that level or being on that campus? Well, what was going through my mind, I was always a, a poised guy, you know, so um, I knew where I worked hard to be, you know. Uh, so um, when I got there, I said, OK, we're here and let's dominate, you know, let's dominate. Let's leave a mark, whether, you know, you know, by any means necessary, let's leave a mark. But little did I know, as soon as I stepped on the field, I left a mark. And when I stepped on the field for my first game at the University of Miami, I became the first African-American from Hampton Roads, Virginia, South Norfolk, to play at the University of Miami. So that was a huge accomplishment right there. And I was like, wow, I'm setting records before I even get on the field. So it was a blessing, man. And uh, I, I became the starting nose tackle at Miami. Um, and, yeah, after that, you know, uh, we, we – I had a good time in Miami, man. I ain't gonna lie. Ran into some bumps and bruises. Um, ended up because of my mentality. Like I told you earlier, um, earlier on, I had a drug selling addiction. So while I'm at Miami, I'm still running a drug operation because I, I don't, I'm not realizing that, you know, I'm Michael White now. I actually have a name. I actually, people notice me when I go to the store and be like, hey, you're Michael White. It's like, I'm still thinking South Norfolk. I'm still thinking um, survival mode. I'm still stuffing, like, when I'm at Miami, I'm still stuffing myself with, like, I'm eat, overeating because I'm still, I'm not, I'm not thinking like, Mike, you can go back and get some more food. Man. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You know, I'm still overeating. So I'll be having like stomach hurts at practice and everything. And, you know, because it's it's just, it's, it's, it's in the mind. You're not knowing you done been doing that for so long. You're not, you know, you, you're not knowing that everything's okay. Now you made it, you know? So, so uh, I went, I ran into that and uh, ultimately I got set down because of uh, uh, firearm charges and, um, uh, still carrying guns like I'm in, like I'm in South Norfolk, and uh, but I needed that sit down. Um, I needed that sit down, Alex, because um, if Michael White's don't sit down, Michael White's probably be doing 
uh, 100 years in prison. You know, so those gun charges um, helped me out because if they would have found drugs, it would have been a wrap. So I was able to clean up my life. Um, uh, I ended up uh, connecting with uh, Coach Tony Dungy, who uh, was a coach. Um, he's the first African-American coach to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. He he was coach Peyton Manning for so many years. And um, I ended up on his Bible study thing um, while I was uh, incarcerated. And um, when I came home, uh, uh, when I started training again for the NFL, um, I, I was in his Bible study uh, life group every Wednesday. And um, I started to grow as a person. I started to grow as a man. I knew that I didn't want to sell drugs anymore. Uh, got rid of all of that. Got rid of people around me. Stopped going to some of the places. And and if you want to be successful in life, sometimes you got to change your people, places, and things. You can't take some of the people, places, and things with you. Yep. You can't. So um, uh, I committed to truth. I submitted the truth. I submitted to uh, positivity. I submitted to just um, being a great individual. I didn't need those things anymore. And uh, like I said, I know some people will ask me, Mike, well, would you change anything? No, I wouldn't change anything. Yes, yes, it cost me uh, getting drafted. Yeah, it did. But at the same time, so many people are worried about um, people getting drafted instead of their mental health. That's what the world's worrying about. <gasps> he didn't make it to the, he didn't get, he didn't get drafted. What about my mental health? How are you doing mentally? Man. Not one person I don't remember asking me that. It's kind of so, like with all the tabloids and stuff. It's like it's like this huge spectacle that they want to make out of it. But it's like, what's really going on with that individual? And I think someone that's listening to this, if they're going through something similar, that should be something that they should start with is the mental health. Because you need to make sure you're doing well personally because if you have that positive mind going, the positive vibes, you're going to be able to do a lot more than what you would be doing if you weren't in that state of mind. And you knew that it did cost you things, but you knew what was more important was you as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, when I, when I got that part right in my life, everything started to fly open um green bay i got a call from green bay uh the packers gave me a call so i flew up to green bay and i instantly picked up where i left off i never questioned my athletic ability uh i always i always had great athletic ability so i went out there and did what i did best and that was you know dominate on the football field and um i got one phone call one last phone call and it was from my um it was from my sister um, my, my young, my younger nephew, who I was like a father figure to, you ask him who his father was, he'll say my uncle Mike, you know, um, and, uh, one day his, him and his friend was, uh, in the house, his friend was playing around with a gun being a goofball. Uh, he didn't mean any harm though, but, um, decisions, man, decisions, uh, playing around with a gun in the house and the gun went off and struck my nephew in the face and killed him. Yeah. And, um, when that happened, um, that was the last blow. I told, I went up to Coach McCarthy, 
head coach of the uh, Green Bay Packers, who is currently the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys now. Uh, I went up to Coach McCarthy and I told him, um, you know, Coach, uh, I think I want to pursue a career in life coaching. I think people, uh, mental health is more important right now. Uh, I w- I'm trying to save some lives around the world. Uh, uh, I, I, my, as we were practicing today, my nephew just got killed, who I was like a father figure to. He was my son, if you ask me. It's my pride and joy. And um, and I just uh, I want to go back home and, and uh, start my life coaching business and uh, motivational speaking career. And he said, well, if you do that, you're going to be the greatest Green Bay Packer to never play. He said, because I knew you was just about to be an all-pro nose tackle the way you were playing. And I said, thank you, coach. Uh, he said, you need anything? Uh, we're here to help. Uh, I totally understand. Um, uh, just let me know. I was like, uh, could you give me a letter of recommendation? That's about it. He gave me a letter of recommendation, and it was one of the best letters I've ever seen. And, it, and that helped me uh, – start getting speaking engagements around the world man and now i speak over 100 times a year around the world and uh that's what they call me the greatest green bay packer to never play because i i've uh inspired uh countless people from committing suicide i've inspired uh countless people from uh that that former prison inmates to not go back to prison to get jobs and and start businesses uh i i mentor I life coach professional and college and high school athletes around the world. So that's better than a sack or a tackle any day. <laughs> were you ever worried when you were going up to your coach that he was not going to be happy with your decision or you knew the the kind of person he was that he would be able to accept it? Uh, coach McCarthy was, is a great guy, man. Um, and he, uh, he he was just so understanding because uh, I came up to him with tears in his eyes. He saw that I was hurt, man. And uh, but he knew I had a lot of football left in me. And um, but he he knew that um, uh, I was serious about what was going on. Other coach, uh, Winston Moss, who was right there, um, who was a former Miami Hurricane himself. He uh, when I told him what happened, because I came I came to practice crying. Couldn't stop crying. He just hugged me, and um, and man, um, you know, th- those guys were so supportive of my decision and, and what I wanted to do. Uh, they w- they said they would have liked to see me play a lot more, um, but uh, the game is in great hands, man. The, the, the game is in great hands. Uh, the nose tackle position, I see a lot of nose tackles getting after it, you know. Uh, so it's an enjoyment to watch. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm gonna leave the game to them and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to help the mental health side of athletes before they even get to them. So they could be, uh, you know, mentally, you know, as well as socially and physically healthy, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I enjoy doing, man. And, uh, they gave me a platform to do that. So. Have you ever had that itch to kind of get back into football? Or yes, yesterday, mind? yesterday, <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> hey, look, I found myself. Hey, man, that's funny you say that, right? I found myself in a three-point stance yesterday in the middle of the living room. My grandmother said, yo, Mike, what are you doing right now? I said, Grandma, I'm sorry. I'm just having flashbacks. She said, you need to make some phone calls 
to get back into the league or get in somebody's league to play again because you are losing your mind right now. I said, I know, I know. It's just the love of the game and 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 uh the love of the love of football, um the, the game of football has brought so much joy. It brings people together. Um and I just love being around it. But uh like I said, the game is in great hands, man. And uh you know, I like to get down there in the three point stands every now and then, you know. But and you know, I'm only twenty eight years old, so that's why people still asking me, man, why don't you still play? But it's like, why would I still play when I just sold over two hundred thousand T shirts? Why would I still play when I go speak a hundred times a year and I'm making the same amount of money as some NFL players? Why would I go and play when I'm tapping into real estate? I'm owning houses, I'm owning apartments. Uh, units. Why would I do that? I don't have to get traded. I don't have to get released from a team. You know, I don't have to worry about those things. And and and, and to be honest, the NFL is a dirty game. You know, it, it could be it could be it could be uh, cutthroat. You know, they'll cut you and all of that. I ain't got time to go through all that. I like where I'm at right now. So after you told your coaches about leaving and going back home and starting your coaching business what was the atmosphere like with your family were you guys able to become closer through all the trauma that was happening or how did that go coming back um well when I when I first when I came back um they they were confused because you know where we from you know um, they don't know much about entrepreneurship. They don't know much about other worlds except for rapping, uh, sports, and drug dealing. So um, when I said I wanted to be this, they were like, how are you going to do that? Like, well, I said the same way you didn't think I was going to be an NFL player. Some people didn't think that was possible, you know? So, so it was just a bunch of confusion, like, but then after a while, you know, when they saw the vision, like starting to like, they was like, Oh, okay. I see what he's doing. He's, it was like, okay, wow. You know, I basically took my whole brand and made it an inspirational story, you know? And, um, yeah, man, it sells, man. It sells. I'm, I'm just, I'm just so grateful, man. It sells, and, and I'm just, like I said, I'm the boss of my own company. So, but yeah, they were, they were, they was trying to figure out, like, what are, you, are you serious? You don't want to play for the Green Bay Packers? Are you crazy? What is wrong with you? So they was just going crazy, like so. But uh, after a while, they was like, okay, I see what he's doing. I think if I was in that same situation, like leaving sports and coming to entrepreneur, my mom would, my parents would be like, um, how are you going to make money? Like they're going to have that kind of mindset and making sure yeah. you make the right decision. And it kind of sounds like your family wanted to make sure you're making the right decision, but you knew inside that this is what you were meant to do. And you needed to get out there and inspire people and help people with their mental health. Because even yeah. now, right now through this whole pandemic, Mental health has been a huge concern because people aren't able to cope with everything that's going on. Were yep. you able to, or what has been a proud moment for you during this time of 
being a life coach or speaking in front of people? Proud moment. Um, well, I uh, I won an award. Awesome. So I'm an award-winning life coach now. Um, I've also uh, I got my jersey retired at one of my schools. Um, also, I've gotten, like I said before, I've gotten countless emails and, and, and stuff like that of people um, telling me, that I stopped them from killing themselves, man. It, that right there is, is like, that's my championship. That's my Super Bowl. That's my NBA championship. You know, that, that, that's, that's how, I, that's where I get my championships from now. When, uh, when a young man, uh, say I inspired him to get his GED, uh, and now he's going to junior college and now he's going to take off to a four year school, uh, you know, my, my, my Super Bowl is uh, uh, a young man telling me, like, yo, I'm not going to prison. I'm not going back to prison. I'm about to go and do this because he'd been looking at me. He'd been seeing me. So I'm, a, uh, you know, I, I've realized now I'm a leader and I got people even that's getting out of prison watching me, you know, and uh, I got to I got to keep straight because. They, they 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 looking for me for answers, mm-hmm. you know. So those are my proud moments, man. Um, just uh watching, you know. I have one guy that I mentor. He just came home from prison. Um, he has some crazy charges, and he don't want nothing to do with the streets anymore. He just want to take care of his family. He 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 has a job now at the shipyard. He's making a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, so it's like, it's like I am winning. And as long as I'm doing that, I don't care about what the media don't see. I don't care about it because at the end of the day, I'm changing lives around the world. And when you're doing things like this, it don't get notoriety. You don't get, you know, that Tom Brady touchdown throw. It don't get that, you know, and I'm cool with that, you know. But as long as I leave a mark before I leave here, I'm cool with that. And, you know, just changing people's mindset one by one, planting that seed. That's that's all I care about. And I and I always say that, you know, when a person do something great, you know, that wasn't in the playbook, but it should be. That's my that's my quote for that. So basically, you're that silent hero that no one has heard much about. But the the recognition that you get from and I loved when you said it that the kids coming up to you and saying I'm gonna not gonna go down the bad path but I'm gonna go down a positive path to yeah. me that would be the greatest thing because they were able to take something that I said and they're gonna utilize it and you'll probably love seeing them ten years from now and the things that they're gonna be able to accomplish and you yeah. know that ten years ago. I said something to them and now look at this amazing path that they've taken. I mean, dude, like drug dealers, former trauma drug dealers are telling me, yo, I put down, I put down the kilos. I put down the pounds of marijuana because you inspired me to start my business and all of that. Cause I tell, I tell them all the time. It's only a matter of time before you get caught though. You're going down, bro. You're going down. But I always tell them, if you can run a dope business, you can run a company. Yep. 
you can run a company. And when I started teaching that logic, they was like, yo, he's he's right. Like you're a CEO. You are a CEO, man. We just, you don't see it at that moment because we don't have nobody teaching us, you know, but you are a CEO right there. You're running a whole business. So, yeah. Looking at your journey so far, what's the one big thing you've learned about yourself? About myself. Hmm. Looking at my journey so far, what is one thing I've learned about myself? I'm a strong, I'm a strong individual, man, when it comes to adversity. You can throw me in a trash can and strip me of all my money. And I'm gonna run it back up because I thrive in adversity. Because I have something, I have th- I have two skills that I'm born with: adaptability and hustle. I can adapt to anything. And I'm going to hustle regardless. And and when I, and and with those two things and God first, you can't be stopped, man. You can't be stopped, man. So uh, I'm a strong individual. Lean on me. I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I'm a strong individual, man. You could, you could could toss anything up. I'm not a striving adversity. So I will have to say that. That's an awesome, something to learn about yourself because those two skills you can utilize any way and it becomes, makes you even stronger each and every day. What does the future look like for you? What are some things that you want to accomplish personally and professionally? Um, professionally, uh, one day I want to get into screenwriting, like writing movies. Uh, I'm very interested in that. Uh, because I have some, um, I have some things coming out. Uh, I have some spoken word that I've made. Uh, so I'll be in the studio a lot now, uh, creating spoken word. I have one called Hustle Through the Pain, which I'll send to you. Um, uh, and it's about a guy named Kenny Gray. He, he's, uh, he's, um, uh, he's pursuing a movie career, movie acting career. And, uh, so many people in his family get killed and stuff a week before he has to. It sounds a little bit like my story, right? I flipped it. Uh, so, uh, uh, he, his family got in, you know, he just had a bunch of stuff happen before a week before he had to perform this audition. And uh, he smashed it, man. He smashed it. And he uh, not only did he get the, the, the role, but he got the lead role. And um, he went on to do great things, man. So it was called Hustle Through the Pain. And we're actually going to do a video of that, almost like a music video. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be like a short movie of showing how this guy, the raw emotion, how this guy, when he went in the locker room because, you know, he broke down crying, smashing the clipboard. Like, it's going to be something special, and I'm going to be directing it. So I want to get into that, man. It's going to be fun, man. And it's just be something for the people to look at and give somebody, you know. It, it, I just It's just to help somebody, you know. And, um, you know, I don't care about getting rich off that. If I get rich off that, oh, well. If I don't, I help somebody. It's cool with me. It's you know, also so. important where, like, even with this show, we're not telling people how to live their lives. We're just right. to 
maybe inspire or help someone that has gone through a similar journey that we've been on and another way in other ways that we were able to overcome them. And I like the idea of that video because nowadays videos are so huge with what people are watching nowadays. And if they can visualize something, they can take anything from that and utilize it in their daily life. So I'm excited to see that when it comes out. Man, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be dope, man. I can't wait to do it. Man. It's gonna be awesome, man. So that's what I do. I put my money to meaningful things now. How can this help somebody? Like all my hoodies that I that I'm that I'm doing now is basically hoodies and t-shirts. It has a meaning on them, so it can have a ripple effect around the world. I don't care about putting your famous drip up there and you know all that. No, no, no. This shirt going to have a meaning up there, a quote up there for you to take with you. And then when somebody in the store see that quote, like, yo, where did you get that shirt from? Boom. And that next thing you know, because it means something to them. You know, so, man, I'm just excited. Man. I love what I'm doing. I love it. The final question I'll ask you, for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? One, tips I would give a person about that. One, um, follow your dreams. Two, don't listen to nobody. Do what you, don't listen to you. I hate to say this. Don't listen to your mother. Don't listen to your grandmother. Don't follow your, follow you. Do what you want to do. You know, um, number three, um, never give up. Always, always, even when it gets tough, never give up. You know, because it tastes better when you starve for it. It tastes better when you starve for it. I promise you. It tastes better when you grind and you hustle for it. Um, you're going to go through life challenges. Just like I told you the story about Kenny Gray. You got to hustle through the pain, baby. I'm telling you. Because during your darkest moments, that's when you're going to get probably get that call. Your biggest opportunities are going to come in your darkest moments sometimes. And you got to be prepared for it. I know you hurting. I know, I know it's hard. I know you down on all fours right now. You can't get up, but you got to get up because at the end of the day, you got to accomplish the mission. The mission is not going to be a straight shot. It's going to take you through some detours. Yeah. Period. This is not for the weak and uncommitted, baby. <laughs> hey, listen, this is not for the weak and uncommitted. You got to be prepared for whatever. This is a this is a battle, man. But if you stay focused and you you keep your hustle, and I promise you, it it, it will happen. That's in business. That's in anything. Your business right now ain't you ain't making as many sales as you want to make and all of that. Stay focused. Don't give up on the business. This is your dream. Stay focused. And have fun. Have fun. Enjoy the journey. Have fun. You know, and keep negative people from around you. 
Yeah, it, it just blurs everything. Keep them away from you. They, they It's like a disease. Keep it away from you. Well, Michael, I want to thank you so much for coming on this show. You're inspiring so many people, and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for having me. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel through the full-length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.